I, I think part of the, the way that you make your day successful is you have to stack your wins. And so for me, if I wake up, if I open my eyes, there's that's a win. Like I'm awesome. I am alive today. So there's win number one. I jump out of bed. I make my bed. There's two wins in 15 seconds, right? And so now it's going to be an awesome day. But I also have this personal goal to put a smile on someone's face every single day, whether that's virtually or in person. And so if I'm at the store or at a restaurant, those guys wear name tags, not just so we can complain, but we should be saying, hey, Jim, hey, thanks for bringing my food out to my table. Or thank you for, you know, ringing my food out, my groceries up. Like, those guys, I just love to be able to connect with people anywhere I go. I just want to start a conversation. I love networking with people. And I think also it's this drive that I, that I kind of get a kick out of like being uncomfortable, right? So to be successful, you've got to get uncomfortable. So go put yourself in situations that are going to force me to talk to new people that are going to force me to connect with new people. And so I really, really love uh, connecting and just lifting other people up. Hey, what's going on? My name is Eric Allen from ericallenmedia.com, and I am so honored to be here on the Traveling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is a great conversation with someone who is truly inspirational. So kick back, tune in, and get ready for another feast for your ears with the Traveling Optimist podcast. Now, I've already mentioned the I word, inspiration. Uh, It's normally paired with the M word, motivation, and also the P word, passion. But today's guest is someone who truly does embody all of those wonderful words and is the king of overcoming adversity. Eric Allen is a husband, father, and entrepreneur, and he's the host of a couple of incredibly successful podcasts too. But this is a brilliant conversation about a guy who really had a bad start to life, a childhood that would feel so alien to many of us. And this is a story about addiction, depression, abuse and lies. But it's also a conversation about hope and it's a conversation about love. And it's a conversation that confirms no matter how dark things seem, there is always a chink of light at the end of the tunnel, which can sometimes come at you in lots of different disguises. One of those disguises happened one day in a remote part of Idaho where Eric was working at a coffee shop and a young lady plucked up the courage to hand him a leaflet about attending a church group. Now, everything happens for a reason and all of those events, and they were terrible in Eric's childhood, all of those events that Eric went through were preparing him for this momentary encounter, an encounter that would change the course of his life forever and one that he didn't dream possible. And so this is a conversation about taking responsibility for your life, having the courage to change course, and trusting your intuition. But ultimately, this is one man's story about one serendipitous moment and changing the legacy of his family for generations to come. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Travelling Optimist podcast. My guest today is Eric Allen from Eric Allen Media, all the way from the United States of America. Welcome to the home of optimism, Eric. Oh, thank you so much for, being, uh, for having me on, man. It's truly an honor to be here. Oh, no, it's great. I'm, I'm so grateful for you to be on the show, actually, because um, I know what you're going to be i know what you're going to be talking about and you know and and i'm excited about that and there's some some fantastic uh, insight and you've got a, an amazing story as well to share with everybody and um you know i can't wait for 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 everybody to listen to you and to, and to get know to get to know eric allen as well so i'm really grateful for that um right so thanks for being on the show i I'd, I'd really like to kind of start the conversation uh, just to 
get some context for the listeners in terms of your story, your backstory, and and and, and you know how it all started. Because on your biography, um, you say that you grew up with a complicated childhood. Now I know, <laughs> I know that it's <laughs> it's complicated is quite an understatement. I think wasn't it really? And, and just I a just, little bit. <laughs> and I just wondered if you could just tell everybody, you know, you what it was, uh, what you were like as you were growing up, what happened in your life, and uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I grew up in you know typical household, what I thought was typical. You know, went to Sunday school, played little league. You know, my best friend Dave and I would get tossed into big garbage cans behind stores by my dad. And he'd say, go find treasure. You know, we would just go in there and just mess around. I was like, that was the typical Saturday morning. And parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. I'd never even heard that word before. Didn't know anybody who had gotten divorced. And and so it was kind of a shocker to my system, I think. And so my mom immediately got together with a guy who was very physically abusive. And, but she never like press charges, never called the, you know, I would call the police, but she never pressed charges. He would never get in trouble and she would never leave him. And so it was just weird to me that she would go for my dad, who was, you know, kind of a quiet guy. Yeah. He had his own issues, but I never saw my parents argue or never saw him get physical with her or anything like that. So it's just very strange that she would get together and then stay with this guy. And it led us to Stevensville, Montana. They, they, my mom got pregnant and they moved up to Stevensville, Montana and they rented this house on five acres and it was beautiful it ponds and right by the bitter river. But the, the house that they rented has three bedrooms and it was one for them and one for my little brother, who's just a few months old at the time. And then one for my sister, who's four years younger than me. And that abuse continued when we got up there and it came to a head one night I was brushing my teeth. They came home arguing, wasn't anything different than any other night, but I had this room my, my bedroom was actually in the garage because they didn't have a room in the house for me. So they, they literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated the bed from the truck, you know, and in Montana, it gets pretty cold. So I'm brushing my teeth one night and they came home arguing. And then as I'm doing that, though, I felt like God was telling me, dude, you got to look around and see what's going on. So the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry to the garage. And as I turned around, I saw him on top of my mom in that pantry area, just one after that, boom, boom boom, right to her face. I'm like, man, I got to get this guy off. And so I walked up and grabbed a cast iron pan and I swung as hard as I could and I split the back of his head open. And he turned around and he said, what? And as he said that, I took another swing and I split his forehead open. And I swung so hard the second time I'd actually fallen over and he was standing up over me. He was bleeding down his face. My mom jumps up, lands like six punches in a row, blood splats on the wall. The police finally show up and takes him to jail. My mom doesn't press charges. And then I was kicked out of the house at that point. I had three months left of my freshman year of high school. And that led me down this path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life. Wow. That's, that, that, that's awful, actually, isn't it? So It was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so what happened after that? You know, so you, you, you left home. What, what happened? Uh, so I went and stayed with a, a buddy of mine at his house. I slept on his floor and yeah. he was within walking distance of the school. So I would, uh, my mom, you know, was able to work out something with his dad. And, and so him and I, his name was Forrest and me and Forrest would, you know, I slept on hardwood floors at his house and then we would get up and walk to school. And, and we did that until the end of my freshman year. And at that point, I moved back to live with my dad back in Washington mm-hmm. and my dad rented a house for him and I, and basically put hunger man meals or freezer, you know, meals in the freezer for me to eat and cereal and milk in the house. And he put $20 in a cup each week. And that was my lunch money for the week. Right. And so he bought me a public 
you know, transit bus pass to get to school. And that was my one thing. Like I had to be in school. I had to do good in school uh, in order to, you know, live with my dad. That was his expectation. The problem was my dad would stay with his girlfriend. And so I would see my dad maybe two or three times in passing each month. So I had no accountability around that. I had no, you know, adult supervision. So that led me to getting into smoking pot before school, at lunch, after school. And then I was taking hallucinogens and I was drinking really heavily. And it caught up to me my senior year of high school. While I was still in school, I got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington, but it was not at the time in 1998. And so I had to go to jail. I had a black and white chain gang outfit on. I had bright orange slippers and I weighed about 145 pounds and they sent me to jail. And luckily it was just one night and you would think it would have scared me enough to not do that again. Um, I was on probation for a year, so I couldn't do any drugs. So I just started drinking really heavily. And then at that point, uh, two weeks after I graduated high school, I woke up to a post-it note on the bathroom mirror of my house that I lived in. And it said, you can't comply with house rules. We have 48 hours to get out. Wow. So at that point I was kicked out. And, and then between ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times between friends' houses and floors and moving up to Seattle, Washington with a hundred dollars in my pocket and basically living off of credit cards during that time. And so by the time I'm 21, I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. I'm speechless. <laughs> I really am. I, how can you, how, I, I can't get my head around how you live, how you live like that and how, how that must have been really lonely. It was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, you know, looking back, I was like, man, you know, I, and, and some of those guys, like they're still great guys, but you know, when we were in high school, we were just doing dumb things and, and, you know, yeah. we, we partied it up and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely made a lot of choices uh, that caused me to be alone, that caused me to go through that. And, you know, uh, it was 100% on me. It wasn't like anybody made me do those things, but I definitely didn't have any direction with my life. So I was just kind of taking that pain and, and drinking it away or doing drugs to, to yeah. try to get it away. Yeah, yeah. It is that direction in your life and having somebody in your life that can help with those choices that you make, isn't it? And, and it's, you know, you obviously miss that person in your life yeah so yeah have you found somebody like that you know yeah. now yeah now i would say my, my wife uh, you know I, I say this all the time my wife is is definitely my guardian angel yeah uh you know i i worked in the music business for about a year and the year prior to that i was this my buddy was a manager at this outdoor music concert venue and so i had this two-year span where i went to about 175 concerts and didn't pay for a drink at all over those two years. And I was basically living a rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. I don't know how to play anything, but I was working for Universal Records in their mail room for a while. And then I got laid off and I was really depressed at that point because I didn't, I wasn't going to concerts. I didn't have any friends. And so I was working at night at Starbucks and I would get off work and go get a six pack of beer and go to my really ghetto apartment and drink myself to sleep every night. Right. And one night this girl walked in and said, Hey, Oh, we've got this cool college age event down at our church. Would you be interested in going? And I was like, well, I didn't have any friends and I was pretty lonely. And so, yeah, absolutely. I'll go. And so I went down there and all of a sudden it was like, God opened up all these seeds. It was like, Hey man, I haven't seen you in five years. I haven't seen you in seven years. I ran into all these guys that I knew from the other side of the state. And it was just kind of strange. And then a month later it was Easter, 2004, we were out partying it up. And I woke up on Easter morning and surrounded by my buddies you know, in my buddy's basement, uh, surrounded by probably 15 guys were all just drunk and hung over. And it was for me, it was about five o'clock in the morning. I was the only one awake, but I felt God in that moment say, man, you're, you're going down this path. That's going to end your life real quick. If you don't start making some changes. 
And so I decided in that moment to, to give my life to Christ. I gave my life to Christ right there in the, my buddy's basement. And I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And I called that girl up who you know, invited me to that church event and said, hey, thanks for inviting me. Maybe I'll stay at the store. And, and a month later, we were dating. And a year later, we were married. And now we've been married for almost 17 years. <laughs> Amazing. I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. Love so that. she's she's been my guiding angel for sure. You know, helped me through, get through a lot of just mess that I was dealing with at the time. And yeah, yeah, we, and we decided that we were going to break those chains of divorce and abuse and rejection that her and I both had dealt with as childs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think that, I mean, look, everything happens for a reason, right? But yeah. you wouldn't have never met her if you'd have taken a slightly different path, a slightly more less or a less, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, destructive path. Yeah. Um, which is quite interesting, actually, isn't it? And you think, wow, how would your life have panned out if that would have uh, been? But I'm just thinking, you know, the power of association really is yep. is a really strong thing here, isn't it? Because it's it's true that, you know, um, you are affected by the people that you, you hang out with, right? Totally. And, yeah. and um, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm so pleased to say that you, you, <laughs> you, had, you, you had the strength to realize what that what was going on really um, yeah and you know you took took some responsibility and ownership and i think that's a key message in that as well isn't it yeah for sure i mean you have to own up to your 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 actions right i think in that moment i also realized that my past and other people's opinions don't define my future mm. and once that hit my heart my head and i was like man now i can make some changes because i know that what i did in the past sucked and it was embarrassing and i don't need to go back there but now I can start making a change and I can start building on a, a new legacy uh, for the, the Allen tribe, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like I said, life happens for us, uh, you know, not to us is, is a quote from Ed Milet and, and life, ha- you know, it, it, everything happens for a reason, you know, and my wife and I we were actually born at exactly the same minute, one forty-one PM on our birth certificates, different days, every years, but the exact same minute. So it's just funny how we ended up together. Oh, that's crazy. I love that. Are you still in contact with your, your parents? So I am, um, my nobody, so we live in Idaho and we don't have any family members out here. We kind of did that on purpose. We, we came out here to kind of get away <laughs> from, you know, the craziness and we wanted to start this own, my own, our own life. Right. And so, um, I do have, um, I would say very high level surface relationships with my parents. Um, you know, text a couple of times a month, maybe a phone call a month to my dad. Um, my sister, I, we talked during the holidays, and my little brother, who's 13 years younger than me, uh, we've talked probably two years ago, and that was about it. And my mom is kind of the same thing as we just talk on the holidays. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. And, and I'm good with that. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, whatever works for you, really. Yep. At the end of the yeah. Um, so your choices, <clears throat> what, so what were the worst choices that you've, you've made in that time? Um, prior to coming into the Lord? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I one, I I couldn't stay in a, a solid relationship, so I dated a lot of girls. Um, I would say that was probably my my biggest regret was going on just dating and and um, really just being with other women before I was married. That was my biggest regret for sure. Mm. What was the best? What is the best decision you've ever made or choice you've ever made post that that period of your life? Uh, the best decision I ever made was. I think accepting that invite to that church event yeah. uh, was the number one and then giving my life to Christ. But then, you know, after dating my wife and, and, 
and deciding that we wanted to do this life thing, right? Was, you know, we decided that we made a commitment that we would never get a divorce and we would never do all of that stuff that we grew up in. So I think for her and I to really come together and put that down and say, you know what, we're never going to allow that to happen. Mm. That decision, that conversation that we had around that and, and saying I do was definitely the best decision that we've ever made yeah. or I've ever made for sure. That's really interesting because <clears throat> it's so easy to get out of a, a marriage nowadays, isn't it? And, oh yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I see it. Un- unfortunately, you know, there have been um, several uh, friends um, and relatives that have got divorced. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, that it's, it was the wrong thing to do or anything like that, but it, sure. it kind of, it is easy to get out of these relationships and making that commitment is actually really, a really beautiful thing, isn't it? And, 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 you know, you, you've, you've got to work at it. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, 17 years being married almost and, and, you know, not every year is a great year, you know, <laughs> not every month is a great month. You know, yeah. sometimes we're going to argue, we're going to be on different pages and, you know, we got to figure out how to get back on the same page. And that's, I, I love that because, you know, our, our kids will see us argue and our kids will see us make up. Our kids will see us have a bad day or not connecting on the same page, but then they'll see us slow dancing in the kitchen. They'll see me kissing my wife in the kitchen. They'll go, all right, now my, I know my parents aren't going to get a divorce. I know that, you know, we've, we've told them that over and over and over, you know, like there's no way that we'll get a divorce. We will work through whatever crap comes our way. And, yeah. and, you know, we, we've done that for, you know, almost 17 years and it's been amazing. It's weird, isn't it? You, 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 you don't give children enough credit because they are very intuitive with that sort of thing, aren't they? They really totally. are. I mean, I, I, I have two, two older daughters, they're 17 and 21. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, they're, they're really very sort of uh, observant of things like that, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and Maria and I are very much like you guys. I'm sorry, I don't know your wife's name. Oh, Courtney. Courtney. So yeah, yeah. we're very much like you guys. We, you know, we made that commitment and um, uh, we didn't say it quite so elegantly as you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, it's important for the kids to see that, I think, yeah. you know, that, that, that commitment, because then that, that then is hopefully going to then trans- transfer into their lives as well, right? Yeah, that's the goal. You know, that's the goal is to to really, uh, I would say, change the direction of the Allen tribe moving forward. Because we both, my wife and I, come from. You know, both our parents have been married and divorced probably four to six times. You know, uh, and uh, we just said, hey, you know what? We're not going to do that anymore. And, and hopefully, our kids follow down our same path and and stay on on that and, and you know that that same journey that we've been on. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, who are your most important influences then in your life? You know, probably the most important influence in my life was, was uh, two people. One, my grandma. Uh, my parents used to drop me off at my grandma's house at a very young age. And so her and I are still very connected. She's 87 this year. Wow. And she has told me multiple times throughout my life that every day uh, she prays for not only me, but every grandchild, every kid, every grandchild, and every great grandchild. But she's also got great, great grandchildren now, wow. uh, which is like 60 people. And she prays for all of them by name every single morning, you know? And so, but I remember as a kid being at her house and I'd be down at, it was actually the house my, my dad grew up in. I'd be down where in his old room and I would put Elvis on eight track. And that's how I first heard Elvis. My grandma loves Elvis. And I'm a huge Elvis fan now because of those moments that I had with my grandma. Um, And I think the other influence outside of my wife um, is my my best friend, Dave. I met him in first grade. He's still my best friend today. So 36 years later, we're still best friends. Oh, that's cool. 
That is cool. Yeah. And what is cool as well is that you mentioned the word eight track because that's yeah. not that's not a, that's not something that gets banded about so often nowadays, does it? Totally. Because <laughs> I, I I remember so growing up. Okay, I was brought up on country music. Okay. okay, so my parents listened to country music all the time, and my dad had this eight track in his car. This we're nice. talking about nineteen seventies, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. So he had this eight track, and we were listening to Don Williams and you know Waylon Jennings and yeah. Merle Haggard and oh uh, Charlie Pride. Oh my Come god, on. who else? Loads. I mean, but great eight track music, amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. My, I mean, my kids they have no idea what eight track is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't even know yeah. what cds are because everything streams nowadays which is funny. i know exactly i saw that video have you seen that video where the parents give the children a, a cassette tape and they're right. going oh what, what do we do and and how you know and it, the, the 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 actual um tape has come out and they're saying right now can you wind that back in and they haven't right. got a clue <laughs> yeah yeah you know and we look back it's funny because my my wife makes funny i kind of my dad was always big on the music and so at a young age i got a cd player but it also had a record player on the top and then dual cassettes on the front yeah. you know that was my first boom box that i had you know yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> is that why you worked at universal then because you had that sort of musical influence or is that sort of just pure fluke uh no i so yeah i, I started out like going to concerts at a young age my dad took me to, my first concert was richard marks and then i saw uh you know um so many concerts without a kid as a kid and then um you know, so I was always just going into live music, you know, yeah. even in high school and things like that. I would go watch some local bands play all the time. And the moving to Seattle was just icing on the cake. I was like, man, this is so awesome. I get to see all these bands. And I always wanted to get into the music nursery. But again, I don't play anything, but I'm very into sales and marketing and things like that. And I was working at a CD store in Seattle. And one guy walked in and he worked for Universal Records. And I jokingly said, Hey man, how do I get your job? And he goes, Oh, you got to be an intern. You got to go to college and stuff. And I was like, Oh man, that's, that's kind of a bummer. So I go to the local community college and I paid $300 for an internship class uh, that I was supposed to go to. And then, and then that would allow me to go be an intern somewhere. And so I paid that money. I took that receipt to Universal Records and said, Look, I'm in college. They said, Great, you're in. And I never went to a class, you know? So. <laughs> that's awesome and that's how i got my foot in the door (laughs) yeah exactly so there's the elephant in the room which hopefully people that will be looking at the video of this will understand when i say this but there is a massive musical elephant in the room here because i reckon if you put shades on you would be able to do uh your own version of zz top or something wouldn't you (laughs) you know what i mean yeah for sure (laughs) because you've got that is a great beard Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a. I used to just grow the beard out for like thirty days uh, of the year and just grow it out, and then after thirty days, I'd shave it off. My wife would fall back in love with me, you know, like ah. it just ran a month, right? And so, um, but when my daughter was like three or four years old, I shaved it off one time, and she said, "Dad, I missed the beard." And I said, "All right, I'm never shaving it again." And so I've had it since, and then I just kind of keep it trimmed around this level, and yeah. you know, my wife's like, "Yeah, I like the beard now," and you know, it. it yeah, it starts to show some gray because I'm aging a little bit, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's um, epic. It is epic. Yeah. I love it. So, how long has it taken to get that length? Uh, a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I started podcasting in 2017. I did not have a beard then, so yeah. I, I think I I started growing it just uh, probably that year. But I, like I said, I trim it up to about this length every time. So maybe a couple of years to get to here. Yeah, you, you, it doesn't age you. That where I had a beard a couple of years ago, right? Okay, and it made me look about 85. It was ridiculous. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I was like, Maria was so glad when when I shaved it off. 
And I looked okay. in the mirror and I thought, well, yeah, I've just, I've just reduced my age by about 30 years. It's fantastic. I love it. Sure, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So music has been a, a, a big part in your life. And totally. I'm also interested, just to skip back very slightly, because yeah. as I understand it, you said you, you graduated out of high school or, or was yep. it college? I, um, no, uh, I graduated high school. I went to, to college for about a year on and off. Okay, and, so... And, You've got this out, disruptive, yeah. you're in this sort of disruptive phase of your life, yeah. quite, you're quite negative. Yeah. So how did you, how did you manage to graduate after with all of that, all of the things going along in your life? Uh, I barely did. Um, I, uh, I graduated with a 2.4, 2.8 GPA. So I like barely graduated. I kind of stacked the, the the plates, I guess, in my favor uh, my senior year. So I took all the classes that were required for me to to graduate in the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, at the time I did not have to take a foreign language unless I wanted to go to a four year college, and I was like, I'm not doing that, right? So I didn't take a foreign language, and I, I paid attention to a couple of classes: the sports and entertainment marketing class that I took for two years, and then DECA. Um, class. It was an entrepreneurship class. So those are the only three classes that I really paid attention to in high school. Yeah. Uh, but came my senior year, I was only going to school for two classes. So I'd go to school at 11 and I'd be done by one. And that was it. That was my whole senior year. I was in school for two hours. And so I was able to work and at the time, go get stoned and drink during the day and things like that. So um, yeah, barely graduated, but uh, you know, it got through. And, and then I was like, I'll try this college thing. And I kept dropping out of classes and didn't understand stuff. And then I said, all right, I'm moving to Seattle. See you later. <laughs> yeah, but so, you know, the thing is, right. Sometimes I think people get hung up on, on things like that too much, you know, and if education isn't your thing, then it's yeah. not your thing. You know, you'll, you'll find, you'll find whatever your lane is, won't you? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, and you're absolutely testament to that uh, uh, and hugely successful. So what, what, how do you, how do you live a meaningful life? I know that you and uh, Courtney have, uh, are, um, uh, you go to church and you you have um, very strong religious beliefs and things, which yeah. is great. And I just wondered what your thoughts were regarding kind of like what's what does meaningful life mean to you? What is that? What what is it? How do you how do you live a meaningful life in your world? Yeah, I I think it's having your priorities right. And there was years where I didn't have my priorities right, where I was always going for the money and wherever I could go, go work to to you know if I was going to make more money here, even though I had just started a job, I would just you know, hey, peace out. I'm going to work here. And so I, I hunted the money for a long time and I didn't have my priorities straight. I didn't um, put my family first in my early years of marriage. And so I think living that meaningful life is really having your priorities straight. And, and one of those, the ways that I do that is I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week. And so I uh, get up at the time because I still work a full-time job on top of podcasting, all the fun stuff that I do. Uh, but I start that job at eight. And so I get up at four, I work out, I spend some time in prayer and, and you know look at my vision wall and go over my goals. And then I uh, come over here and I start the job at eight. And then at 5 p.m., that's when I shut everything down. And I really try to just be present with my family. And if I can be present with my kids and my wife from five o'clock on, that means that that's, that's meaningful to me and to them and, and where I'm able to just turn off the phone, turn off the work, all that stuff, and just be present with them. And that's really what I think is most important for me now. That's my number one priority is just being present with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's So you're spending quite a bit of time. You're able to spend time with your family. Whereas if you were, a lot of people don't, do they? And, and I, I, I sometimes think that actually um, I was very lucky, like you, 
um, having a business that enabled me to spend time with my family and watch my two mm. girls grow up. Yeah. Now, now, to me, that was really that was really important. And I think that actually that having sort of reflected upon that, it's something to do with the fact that I think that my dad really worked hard and he worked mm. hard for his family and he worked away. And um, and I think part of that is because I, I was um, I didn't see my dad as much as I wanted to. Mm. And so I've kind of made up for that. And I, wanted, sure. I didn't want to go down that path. Is yeah. that the same for you? Kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. It, you know, I think for me, the reason that I wake up before him in the morning is because then I can work on my personal development and stuff like that without eating into family time. Mm-hmm. You know, and people ask me like, why the heck do you wake up at 4am six days a week? And, and my, my answer is my, my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire to sleep. And I want to be successful in business and successful in my marriage. And if I'm eating into that family time to grow on my personal development, that's not moving me, the needle forward with making me have this meaningful life with my family. So I sacrifice the sleep so I can work on myself and then I don't have to eat into the family time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're also an exponent of a cold shower, aren't you? Immersion into cold water. Oh, uh, yeah. So I have done that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I did. So in the, I didn't even hear. I didn't know about cold showers until I, I came across Ed Milet's book uh, called Max Out. Uh, but I, I'm big on testing the body. I, yeah. I'm afraid of heights, but I will cliff jump. Um, if there's bridge or water underneath me, then, you know, I'll jump. No, no big deal. But if I'm like in a tree, I'm freaking out. I can't be by a cliff. Right. Um, but, uh, I did. Yeah. I do uh, cold showers. Um, every once in a while I need to get back into it actually, but uh, I did it for all of last summer, just kind of as a test to push my body, my mind to do it. And then January 1st up here, I did a polar plunge, which I'd never done before. It was kind of a bucket list item for me. It was 32 degrees outside. The water was 30 and we all jumped into the lake. Yeah, wow. so. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. I'd love to do that. There is it science fun. behind it, though, and uh, which you probably know about. And um, so I, I got into that by reading a book by a chap called Wim, called Wim Hof, and his yes. book is called The Iceman Cometh. And he's yes. written several books, actually. Fantastic right. book. I mean, it, yeah. it blew me away. It really did. And I, I, yeah, there's nothing better than going walking in. It's going to sound a bit weird to listeners, and I'm not trying to gross people out, but <laughs> you, you have a cold shower in the morning and you just feel so alive, don't you? Yes. It, and it wakes your body up. It shakes your body, you know, shocks your body and mind to wake up. And, yeah. and I love that. And even today, like I don't take ice cold showers, but I do like a colder shower in the morning to just kind of wake me up a little bit, but yeah. I need to get back into that ice cold. And I've been actually looking at like ice cold tubs that I could just have at the house on the, you know, the garage <laughs> I can jump yeah. into real quick, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> what cold showers, great idea. What, what, and you're talking about your priorities and getting them straight. Yeah. And getting up at four o'clock and working on your own, working on yourself and your, your personal development is, is more important than an extra three hours sleep or whatever, yep. which is, which is amazing. Four o'clock in the morning is extreme for me. Um, so chapeau to you in, in that. Um, but what, what other things motivate you, Eric? Because, you know, what, what are your passions and, and, and what are your goals for the future? And um, apologies in advance for throwing three questions at you at the same time. But No, no, it's fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I think for me, it's always been to be a full-time entrepreneur. Um, whether that's doing full-time podcasting or content creation. I do voiceover and I do public speaking and I do content creation where brands will send me their products and say, hey, do videos and stuff like that. 
Uh, so I think the end goal for me is to be a full-time entrepreneur, be able to walk away from my full-time job. You know, um, Part of my vision wall that I have in my office here is I look at pictures of my family and I look at quotes and I look at the property that I want and I look at a big fat dollar bill on there. You know, like, uh, and Not that money is everything, but money helps me get to my goals sometimes, right? And, and one of the funny things that I have on my cart that I have on my wall that people laugh at every time they come up here, it's a cartoon figure of this guy. And it says, if I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too close. <laughs> and so for me, like I want that property where I can do that. And that's one of those like things that go, I want the property, not just say I have property, but I want the property to be an escape for my family if, or, or even my grandkids or great grandkids. If they're somewhere and they just need to get away from the city or craziness, I want to have that property where they can go and just feel safe and comfortable and just relax, you know, yeah. in the mountains and things like that. So that's really what drives me to, to get to that point and, and be that full-time entrepreneur and be able to provide for my family. Um, you know, we set a goal, my wife and I, but that when she became a mom, she was going to be able to stay home with the kids. And so I worked my tail off to get to a job where I would be able to keep her home. And six months after my daughter was born, she's been able to stay home and my daughter's 11 now. So it's, it's been fun. So that, that was part of my goal, part of my journey, you know, to, to get her home as a full-time mom. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great goal. What, so how long is, what sort of plan have you got? Is it a five-year plan? Do you, do you, or a 10-year plan? Do you, do you, do you plan that far ahead? I, yeah, I do. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I probably need to be better at setting my goals with actual like dates. Um, in my mind, I would see myself walking away as a full-time entrepreneur within the next five years. That that's, that's my goal. Um, I don't have that documented down, but in my head I'm going, okay, within the next five years, I'm 41 now. If I could, you know, by the time I'm 45, have that property and walk away full-time as an entrepreneur at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've said it on a podcast now, so it's going to happen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's out there. It's going to be out there. You, everyone yes. in the whole world can hear. We'll be able to hear that goal now. Um, yep. So that, 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 that's really interesting. And I've got visions of, I don't know if you've ever seen this film, The Horse Whisperer um, uh, with Robert so Redford. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's based in Montana. And, um, okay. and it's at a, on a, on a ranch in Montana on this beautiful, you know, house, log cabin by a river and mountains, you know, surrounding it. And I've got visions of that sort of house that you're, you're going to live in, uh, in mm-hmm. a few years time. But so yeah, yes. send me, send me a photograph when you do get it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Are you the sort of person that kind of likes to, that loves to add value to everything that you do, you know, in terms of, you know, when you meet somebody and making them feel good and uplifting and stuff like that? Absolutely. I, I think part of the, the way that you make your day successful is you have to stack your wins. And so for me, if I wake up, if I open my eyes, there's that's a win. Like I'm awesome. I am alive today. So there's win number one. I jump out of bed. I make my bed. There's two wins in 15 seconds, right? And so now it's going to be an awesome day. But I also have this personal goal to put a smile on someone's face every single day, whether that's virtually or in person. And so if I'm at the store or at a restaurant, those guys wear name tags not just so we can complain, but we should be saying, Hey, Jim, Hey, thanks for bringing my food out to my table. Or thank you for, you know, ringing my food out, my groceries up. Like those guys, I just love to be able to connect with people anywhere I go. I just want to start a conversation. I love networking with people. And I think also it's this drive that I, that I kind of get a kick out of like being uncomfortable, right? So to be successful, you've got to get uncomfortable. So go put yourself in situations that are going to force me to talk to new people that are going to force me to connect with new people. And so I really, really love uh, connecting and just lifting other people up. Is that what you set up your podcast to do in terms of, you know, adding value to, to other people 
through your guests and stuff? I would say now it is. I think when I first started in 2017, I had no idea what I was doing. A bad camera, bad microphone, bad lighting. I was in a walk-in closet for almost my first hundred episodes, you know, <laughs> and I just, I didn't even know what I was doing. I wasn't even looking at the camera and really I started it off with the top rate MMA show in 2017. I just wanted to ask MMA fighters, why do you want to get in a cage and get punched in the face? And you know, that that's been a fun question to ask throughout the years. And now, you know, I've shifted that a little bit, but you know, I love to highlight up and coming MMA fighters from around the world. And I've been able to speak with bigger names like Ken Shamrock a couple of times and things like that. But I also took that same question and I put it on the Eric Allen show that I have and or ask entrepreneurs the same question. Why do you want to get punched in the face? Hopefully not physically, but virtually as entrepreneurs, we get kicked in the teeth all the time. We get no's, we get rejected. We you know get failures, we yeah. go bankrupt, but we keep going for that end goal. Yeah. And so I love to bring value to the listeners of my shows and go, look, these are real people that went through craziness and they continued to fight for their goal and now they're doing it. And so this is these are some tips that hopefully I can bring value to the listeners of the show. Oh yeah, totally. And it's a great podcast, by the way. Way. so it, thank you it, people can search for it as a, a the eric allen show right yes yeah it used to be called the bearded biz which is uh really funny you know i just like I, when i started that show i was inspired by ed Milet. when i came across him i that's why i started the other show and my wife being the smart one said hey it sounds like you're doing a bearded podcast and, and people kept asking like hey do i have to have a beard on your show and i said okay <laughs> let's stop confusing people so <laughs> we're just eric allen show <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely. So, you know, with that podcast, you've obviously had it. I mean, I know you've had a, a lot, a ton of really cool people on your show. What's the kind of what was the number one best bit of advice or best insight that you've ever had on your show? I think it was from Ed Milet. Um, and Ed is a guy that, you know, like I said, he inspired me to start that show. I came across him in 2018. And then in 2019, I won the the Ed Milet Max Out Challenge on Instagram. We had to submit a one-minute story to him, and he picked my story out of his million listeners, and I was able to get a phone call with him wow. uh, that I was able to record and then release that as an episode. But you know, he he talked about fighting for your passion no matter what you're going through, even if you're working at a full-time gig. And you know, one of the things that he says is if you don't fight for what you want, you can't cry for what you lose. And that hit home for me, but also his other quote of, you know, life happens for us, not to us. And those two things um, really just hit home with me. And and I love like, here's this guy, he's worth over $400 million and I'm on a phone call with him and he shut down everything outside that was that was could be a distraction to our conversation. He was so in tune with what I had to say and want was genuinely interested in what I had to say, but genuinely wanted to help me. And you know, he was able to like, hey, here's some contacts here in Coeur d'Alene where I'm at, um, because he used to have a house here. And so he knows a bunch of people here. So he was like, hey, you go tell me you're friends with Ed and they'll just take care of you. You know, so like that information has really helped me. And I like I said that conversation was life changing for me. Yeah, I saw it on YouTube. It was really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I took parts of it and released it as an episode and yeah. you know, episode 12 of my show. So I was pretty early on when I got Ed Milet. And prior to that, I had Sean Whelan, which was a, an amazing guest as well. Yeah. So what was your story then that got that piqued his interest? So what I talked about was uh, really just 
a quick background of my story, like, hey, you know, came from this craziness, but I'm here to break those chains of abuse and rejection and addiction and change the legacy of my family forever. And I said, I'm doing podcasting. I'm getting my story out there. I want to make an impact. And that's basically what I said to him. And then, you know, he kept posting all these things like, here's a top runner, here's a top runner, and, you know, a leader for this contest. And it wasn't me. I was just, I had no idea. I, Never thought in a million years that I would even be in the the top, and then all of a sudden he just tagged me on a post one day, and I was like, "What is this?" And then I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> that's amazing! I love yeah. Ed Milet. We saw him at a conference um, a few weeks ago, actually. Uh, it oh, was, nice! It was through Zoom, but um, yeah. because he wasn't able to fly to the UK. But you know, he's he's an incredible speaker. Actually, he's got you know some amazing knowledge, and um, he comes across as a very very just really cool guy, actually. Very down to earth, yeah. Uh, you know, it, yeah, absolutely one of the one of the coolest people that I've talked to. Oh, that's awesome! So, what um, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? <laughs> uh, I think. Let's see, man. I think the the worst piece of advice that uh, that I was given was, "Hey, life will just you know if you just keep doing what you're doing, whatever you're whatever that is." So, if like, um, I think it was. Hey, start, stay at Starbucks and they'll continue to grow and they'll take care of you. Right. Or, or any, any job that I was at, like, Hey, we're, you're number one at this company and we'll help you out. And I think that advice that I got of just like work hard at one company yeah. and we'll take care of you was probably the worst advice I ever got. Because in my opinion, I'm just a number to any employer mm. and I can be replaced tomorrow if I died. Yeah. Like as much as I, as much as they want to say that they want to take care of us, which is great. And I work for a great company, but again, I'm still just a number. Uh, if I was gone tomorrow, you know, they, they'd be replaced real quick, you know? And so that, that, I think that saying of you're, you're irreplaceable at any job is totally false. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Absolutely. Do you, uh, yeah, I think looking back at, at my career, particularly, I think I stayed in a job one particular job uh, too long. And I think that's mm. kind of set me back. But having said that, you know, I wouldn't be here now if I'd have changed. So, you know, you've yeah. got to look back and think, oh, you know, everything happens, you know, so I'm okay with that. But um, yeah, I think you, having, obviously having a family has changed your life completely. And yes. um, I just wondered, you know, what sort of legacy are you looking, because you mentioned the word legacy a couple of times already. And I just wondered, yeah. What what does what's your legacy going to look like? You know, in a few years when your kids are older and stuff. I want them to look back and see. Hey, you know what? Dad was the hardest working guy that I knew, and he took care and he loved mom and he loved us. And I think if I can do those things, if I can provide for my family and show my kids that I, I'll always fight for my family and I'll always provide for them and keep them safe as much as I can. Mm. Um, I just want them to know that I fought hard to, to make our marriage work and fought hard to be the best dad and best husband that I could be. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's amazing. So kind of looking back, yeah. if you could say one thing to your 15 year old self, <laughs> like what would it be? What would you say to yourself? I, I would say it's not worth it. All of the the junk that I went through, all of the uh, the drugs that I did, all the alcohol that I did, all the partying that I did, all the girls that I was with, you know, like uh, that, it's not worth it for me. You know, uh, looking back and go, yeah, it wouldn't have made me the person that I am today, but man, I wish I would have. Uh, you know, that's that's some of the regrets that I have is, is not um, being smart when I was in my early age, and I think 
had I started on this entrepreneurial mindset as a, at an earlier age and really taken it very serious, you know, I'm in my 40, I'm 41 now. If I started doing and having the passion that I do now for entrepreneurship in my early 20s, man, I would already have that property, right? You know, like I wish that I would have just kind of backed away and was that I don't need to be partying. I need to be working towards my future right now. Yeah. And I, I think so. Yeah. I think if I could go back and say, you know, I'd probably slap myself upside the head when I was 15 and say, man, don't do that. Don't yeah. go that route, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess sometimes you just join the wrong tribe, right? I agree. Yep. Yep. Made it, made a lot of bad, bad decisions. And, and, you know, Ed talks about this, right? You know, you surround yourself with, with the people that are going to lift you up. Right. And I'm a big proponent in finding those people that are living the life that you want to live and go surround yourself with them. And, and, uh, you know, at that time, I just didn't have anybody that I saw, uh, no one was there to lift me up and get me better. Right. It was just like, yeah, come on, let's go party. Things like that. You know? Yeah. I think it was Jim Rohn that said that you are the, um, the average of the, the, five best five people that you, you you associate with or something isn't it or so, I, I i guess I, yeah i'm paraphrasing exactly. um yeah, but, totally. uh, i love jim Rohn. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he's got he's an incredible incredible guy um yeah. so that that's that's all great you know and um you've got a, a beautiful family beautiful wife things are going all right for you and you mentioned earlier in the conversation that sometimes you do have, you know, you have bad days. Sure. I wondered, you know, how do you get through that? Yeah. So, you know, the, you have to have this moment of taking a step back where a lot of people are like, man, I had this bad day or, you know, today sucked. And I think over the years, especially in the last five years, I've really started to realize that am I having a bad day or did I have a bad 15 minutes? Like, did I stub my toe on the bed and now it sucks and my whole day is going to be off because I stubbed my toe? Or, man, someone called me a name at work today and, man, today's just going to suck or I lost that sale. And I have to take that step. I can go, man, it was just a bad 15 minutes. Get over it and start thinking positive. Find somebody that's you know got a motivational video on YouTube or listen to a motivational podcast. Go talk to somebody that can lift you up. Um, so yeah, there's these bad moments, I think. Um, but the way that you get out of that is you go find things that can, you know, motivate you for me. Yeah. If I'm having a bad moment, I, I go to prayer or, you know, I'll go listen to an awesome podcast. I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. So if anything that I throw on of Tim, Tony Robbins, man, I'm like, Whew. All right. There's nothing bad. There's nothing going on today. Let's make today happen, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think if you can just have that right attitude, that it's just a bad moment. It's not a bad day. That really helps you kind of get through those those bad moments. Yeah, absolutely. Perspective. Yes. Yep. Perspective for sure. I think we. It's it's an underestimated word actually, and and I think I, I've been guilty of not having enough perspective at certain times and uh, mm. but you know and but it's it's nothing to beat yourself up about is it because you know it's just life yep yeah um, you have to have the right perspective on things man and and uh, uh i think that'll help everybody's day much better <laughs> i agree yeah. and also yeah. you know it, it's it, the the other thing and this is i mean it's not rocket science this is all you know everybody knows this stuff right yes but it's you know, what are you, what are you saying to yourself every day? You know, what is the language that you're using when you're, you know, talking to yourself in your head when things are going wrong, you know, or things are going right? What are you saying? You know, do, are you very conscious about what the sort of things that you're, you're talking to yourself about, you know? You're, yeah, uh, I, I am. I'm very big on I am statements. 
Um, meaning that when I get up to my office and I look at my vision wall and I literally took the, uh, in a half a wall of my office and created this vision wall. So I've got the pictures of my family and the property I want, things like that. And when I'm looking at those pictures of my, the property that I want, and I've got this, you know, dollar bill, like I say, man, I am the proud owner of 20 acres. And that is my dream house on those 20 acres. I am a millionaire. I am, you know, the best dad. I am the best father out there. I am the best husband. And so um, if you say these, I am statements, you know, I think that's what helps me. And then looking at my affirmation saying, man, here I have, I've got this property. I am a millionaire. I am changing lives. I am impacting lives. My relationship with my kids and my wife and, and Christ is amazing and always growing. And if I can say that, and I do seven days a week, it's non-negotiable. I'm always going through my affirmations, always going through my vision wall on a daily basis, first thing in the morning. So I think saying those I am statements can really change your mindset uh, to say, oh, I will. No, I am. If you say that I am statement, man, your mind's going to start, you're going to trick your mind into already accepting that you've gotten that. And then you're just going to, it's going to happen no matter what. Uh, It might not be on your timeline, but at some point, if you continue to fight towards those goals and really restructure your mindset, it's going to happen. Absolutely. I love that. You're a very wise, uh, wise man on young, wise head on young shoulders. Eric. Oh. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I try to be young. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's great, you know, and it's really I, I, I've, I love talking about this kind of stuff with 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 like minded people. I just find it yeah. I find it really uplifting and very positive. absolutely it's just it's just incredible. Yeah, if, if you could. Um, if you could say one thing to someone that you love. Mm. What would you say and who would it be to? I would say to my wife, I would say that, uh, one, I, I love her. I love you. And, and would just say, you know, I, I wish that my past would have been different, but know that from the day that I met you, the day till the day that we go to the ground, like I will always fight for us and I'll always, always fight for our family. Mm-hmm. And, and I think she knows that. And she's seen me that fight for our family over the last 17 years, but, um, it's definitely something that I need to reiterate. You know, I, one of the things that I did for her this year, um, and I have missed a couple of days, but I, I, for the most part, probably 99% of the days or 98% of the days this year, I write a post-it note every single morning and put it on the mirror when she wakes up. So some of them are saying, Hey, you're beautiful. Hey, you're amazing. You're awesome. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for being a great mom. Thank you for what you do in the house. And I think that helps us, you know, just kind of get on the same page. And I just want to show her that I, that I love her and whatever I can do. And, and she's big on words. So if I can just encourage her a little bit each morning, you know, I think that's what helps. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. That's reminding me of something. Actually, we as a family, we have like a happiness jar. Okay. Um, but we've not been doing it recently and I, I don't know why, but yeah, we used to write little notes of, of cool stuff that's happened, oh, nice. um, you know, every day and we put yeah. it in this jar and fold it up and put it in the jar. And then at, um, at Christmas, we open the jar up on the table and we've got all of these huge, you know, hundreds of pieces of paper and we each read one out and, um, and it's a really cool thing to do. Oh, do you remember? You suddenly remember, oh my God. Yeah. I remember that. That was so funny. Yeah. Or like the funny and cool stuff that we did as a family. It's brilliant. And, and uh, we're gonna, I'm just going to go back up 
when we finish this podcast, I'm going to remind Maria that we need to start doing that again. Because it's That's really an amazing uplifting. idea. Yeah, yeah, you should do that with the kids. They love it. Oh, like, totally. Oh, yeah, gonna, yeah. it's funny. Yeah. Oh, we're definitely going to do that for sure. Yeah. I mean, are they in tune with what you're what you're doing and stuff for work and stuff? Are they? Are they... they are uh, to a point where they they think sometimes that my full time job is top rated MMA. So they're <laughs> like, you know, they go to school. What's your dad do? He works for top rated MMA. You know, which is it's semi true. It's just not my full time job. Uh, but they know that I do a lot of podcasting, and, and they they know that the, the company that I work for is swag and stuff like that. But. Um, they know that if they hear me talking like I am now um, in my office, they will not come in. They won't knock. They'll kind of put their ear to the door first. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so they're very in tune about podcasting things. And it's been fun because my daughter, she's like into rocks and minerals and stuff like that. And so she says, dad, can you interview me? And mm-hmm. so I, I got to interview her and say, Hey, what is this rock about? And she loved you know talking about it. And, and, you know, so it's fun that we, we created an episode just with her. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. I, I think there's a, a podcast in general. I think kids would they, they 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 would have an amazing opportunity with podcasts. I think just to talk about you know everything about what what it is to be a kid at the moment. Are yes. you kind of are you are you slightly apprehensive about your two children growing up and um uh you know it's 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 a different world from when we grew up as as kids totally. as small kids you know i mean when yep. i was growing up you know we were allowed to play out in the streets and go cycling and and um you know play yeah. play soccer and 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 whatever and 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 be un- it is very it felt very uninhibited sure and um yeah. there was no technology you know right. there was there was nothing there was no hardly any peer pressure there was no mobile phones um you know there was no um you know uh, Snapchat or anything like that. There was, and I just wondered what your thoughts on that. Are you how how are you managing that as a dad? You know, because mm. they're gonna they're gonna want their first mobile phone soon, aren't they? Yeah, it's a great question. I think my wife and I have really taken the old school approach to this, and, and most other parents probably think we're boring. But our kids don't have phones. They don't have access to computers unless it's the the computer where they do homework in front of us out in the kitchen, and they don't have access to YouTube or any of that technology stuff. They don't have access to movies or anything during the week, except yeah. for on Friday nights, we watch a movie as a family. And then on Saturday mornings, we'll watch some cartoons, right? And, and But that's it. That's really the only time that they have access to any type of screen or technology or anything like that. Yeah. My kids love Legos and they love reading and they love playing and they love doing imaginary, you know, uh, playing with their toys or being outside. My son's big on baseball. My daughter is really big on, you know, um, uh, rocks. So she's always like looking at new rock books and stuff like that. So we've kind of taken that approach of like, Hey, we don't need technology. Yeah. It's fun. Sometimes we'll play some video games every once in a while as a family, but yeah. they don't like go, man, I didn't get my iPad today or I don't get my iPhone today. All right. Uh, but they, they are so content with playing with Legos and doing stuff outside of technology. And it's, that's really what we try try to strive for. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything, is there anything wrong? Um, or do you think there's anything wrong in the world that you'd like to see changed? So, huh. so as an example, yeah, I was going to say, I wish the guy who invented a mobile phone didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I really do. It is just, it's, it just causes so much, division and mm-hmm. so much jealousy and 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 you know i i think as for, for children anyway i mean but yeah. having said that it's a double-edged sword because actually from a business perspective a mobile phone has revolutionized totally 
you know, being an entrepreneur is for one of a better expression. So I wondered, yeah. you know, is there, is there one thing do you think that's wrong in the world that you, you'd like to see changed? I think that too many people judge other people. Um, it's not my job to judge anybody, you know? And, and so I think if people just like stop judging people, um, I don't really care if you're a masker or not, or a vaccination or vaccination guy or not, or who you vote for politically or who you prefer sexually, right? Like, I don't really care about that. If you're a good person, you're not hurting yourself and you're not hurting others, then you're a good person, right? Like uh, if I could, if, if everybody in the world could just like stop judging people for a minute and just love people where they're at, man, the world would be a heck of a lot better. Mm -hmm. And I also, you know, I think it, it uh, also, if, if people just stopped watching the news, right? Like just lived life and loved people where they're at, man, the world would be amazing. So I, I think those are the, the, the advice that I would give, I think. But yeah, watching the news, absolutely. And judging. And I think also, uh, you know, acceptance for, for people as well, isn't it? Yeah. So another key aspect to that. No, I love that. Totally. Um, you know, I think kindness and compassion, there's not enough of. Would right. You agree. Yes, absolutely. You know, we, we really try to push that on our kids too, is, you know, we're big on, on thanking police officers and, and firefighters and ambulances, uh, you know, folks and, and people that are in the military. And so, you know, when we go out to stores and if somebody's in uniform, my kids like now at the point, they're like, dad, look, there's someone there in a uniform. Let's go say thank you. And so, you know, we go up and we, we say thank you to officers and we say thank you to military personnel and things like that. And so, we're big on giving back. You know, my, my wife and I went down to Mexico and built homes for people when we were first married for two years, you know, it was like not two years, but we did two trips down there. And, and so we're just very big on being able to just give back to people that are in need. Wow. That's amazing. So why, why what took you down to Mexico? What was the, the just purely you, you wanted to, you found something to, that you wanted to give back. And that was the, that was the project you chose. Yeah. So it was part of our church um, where our church had, works with an organization down in Mexico called YWAM. And essentially they work with a family down in, in Tijuana, Mexico, who uh, had to go through a process to basically go from dirt floors. And then they go lay the foundation for this new home. Mm -hmm. And then us as a church group would fly down on Friday, uh, start building the home on Saturday and then be done and hand them the keys by Sunday morning to a brand new house with a lock on it. And they get to actually have, you know, they're off the floor. We provide mattresses. We provide toys for the kids. We give them new clothes and kitchen stuff and, and basically got them out of this wooden shack into an actual home that we build over 12 hours. Right. And so, um, there's a key ceremony and everybody's booger crying because, you know, it's like super moving and like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we just took this person off the dirt floor. And now they've got a con, you know, a bed and they've got an actual lock on their door. And, and so we did that two years in a row, my wife and I, and it was just amazing. And I'm not a handyman. I grew up in a, a, a household where my dad said, just pay people to do things. So I never knew how to like change a tire or, you know, I knew how to swing a hammer, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and my wife, her grandfather was a shop teacher for 30 years. So he had every tool imaginable. And so she grew up in the shop. She knew how to fix stuff. So we'd go down there. I'd be like hitting the nails. My wife would be like the bandsaw, you know, like doing everything out there that I have no idea what to do. And, but we knew that as if we went down there as a team and she did that, and I was pounding nails with some other guys and putting up frames, like we would make an impact with this family. And it, it was life-changing both of those times that we went down there. But do you know uh, what's happened to the family since then? Have they, is that the kind of, is that the, the leg up in life that they needed to be able to move on or move that needle, as you said? 
I think so. Yeah. And I know we haven't been in contact with the families. We actually do have a friend though, that does work for YWAM now down in the same area. So she actually has built probably close to a hundred homes now at this point. Um, but, uh, so she does, she works directly with those families. They do follow up with those families and things like that, but it was, it was cool to see, Hmm. you know, a family that had, because it's aunts and uncles, it's grandparents. They all live in the same house in the same room, right? And so one of the houses that we went to last had about 12 people all in one room. And then they were able to keep that house, but then also underneath that house, just like 10 feet away, that's where we were able to build this new house so they could kind of open up some space. And you know, you get down there and they're like, hey, we want to feed you because they're just so thankful. And so, you know, they're making meals with the last bit of food that they have for all of us that are building homes for them, yeah. you know, and it's, it's so cool to be part of that. It's amazing actually, isn't it? And also I think what it does give you, and I've experienced this when I've, when I've traveled to Africa, it gives you a, a very, very sharp sense of perspective Yes, of your yeah. own life, doesn't it? You know, and you think, yeah. you know, I, every time I come back from Africa, I think, you know, I'm so bloody lucky you know, to, yes. to, to live where I live, um, you know, and I think, uh, do you, did you find that too? Yeah, most definitely. And my wife and I have talked, you know, as our kids will get older, we'll do trips down to Mexico with them to, to put them, you know, to have them go through that as well. Yeah. That's a great, I think that'd be life changing for them as well. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Great, great thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, w- would you say, and I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, right? Would okay. you say you're an optimist? Yes. Yeah, very much. Um, you know, you got to stay positive with everything and you got to see the positive out- outlook on everything. And, you know, there's things are going to happen. And, but if you can see the positive, you know, outlook on that or positive impact about whatever happened uh, or whatever's going on, then yes, absolutely. Oh, cool. So, what does it mean to you to be an optimist then? I think it's never allowing the, rough days or the rough moments to define your future and and always looking forward to going you know what i'm i'm going through this right now or and, but i know that there's something on the end of this there's there's something better for me i think we're all created uh to make an impact on others mm-hmm. and so whatever we're going through like we, if we can stay positive in that like if we keep our mind on on our goals and you know making that impact then we can be positive and and i think that's what it means to be an optimist that's cool Eric Allen, that's a great end to the show, I think. Um, I'm blown away by your insight and your wisdom and your positivity and the fact, you know, the, you know, the fact that you've, you've turned around your life and um, it's, it's inspirational. It really is. And I'm so grateful that we've been able to connect. And uh, I'm very, very grateful for you taking time out from your work and your family to come on the show, actually. And um, uh, it means a lot. So thank you very much. Absolutely. It's truly an honor to be here. And, and, you know, I've been on this podcast tour this year. This is my 95th interview this year. And so I've gotten to see different levels of professionalism with podcasting. And I've got to say, man, you are definitely one of my top uh, shows that I've been on this year. So I want to thank you for that. Just if people aren't listening to this show or subscribing to your show, they need to be out there, man. And, and you're definitely an amazing host. You ask great questions. I love the conversation we had today. And uh, it was truly an honor to be here, man. Oh, thank you so much. I look forward to, um, reading all about your, your story and, and, and your progression and, and your success and, and, um, uh, moving forward. And I look forward to that picture of the, uh, of the house in the mountains very yes. soon. Don't forget <laughs> me. Um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll stay, we're going to stay connected anyway. And, um, you know, we'll be, 
we'll be uh, looking out for each other. So how can yes. people, how would you like people to connect with you, Eric? So ericallenmedia.com is the website. It's E-R-I-K and then A-L-L-E-N. So ericallenmedia.com is the website. I actually have a brand new website here in October that's going. Um, it'll be the same URL though. Just kind of update some photos on there. And, and then uh, Instagram, I'm big on. So in, it's Eric G. Allen, E-R-I-K, G. Allen on there. And I love connecting with new people. They can you know, shoot me a DM. I respond to every comment and every DM on there. And so uh, really those are my two main spots that people can connect with me if they need me to speak or do voiceover or contact videos or anything like that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Eric, my friend, it's been an absolute joy. And, and I, uh, again, I'm going to say it again. I can't thank you enough. I'm so grateful for you coming on the Traveling Optimist podcast. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. That's it for this show, uh, and I truly hope you enjoyed the conversation with Eric. Uh, to learn more about Eric Allen, including links to connect with him, you just need to check out the show notes, and you can find the growing podcast archive as well uh, on the link. Uh, I can't do this show without you guys, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, I've got a, a Buy Me A Coffee link set up now as well. I love coffee, and please do leave a message too. Uh, your support is incredible uh, i couldn't do it without my guests but of course i couldn't also do it without you my ever-growing optimist tribe so that's it for this week but i'm wishing you a fabulous week ahead take care everybody